Most of you already know some of the story of Enoch Burke. But here are the basics. Mr Burke from County Mayo was suspended from his job as a teacher in a school in County Westmeath. Then he was jailed for contempt of court for refusing to follow a court order to stay away from the school in Multifarnham while he was suspended. Enoch Burke was taken from the High Court this evening to Mountjoy Prison. He was jailed for breaching an injunction granted last week and for refusing to give any undertaking that he would stop breaching it. Enoch Burke says the case is actually about his right not to call a trans student by their preferred pronouns. Having to do so, says Mr Burke, would be against his religious beliefs. And it is this interpretation of the case that has caught lots of international attention from people like Piers Morgan. This extraordinary story of a school teacher in Ireland, because he wouldn't use the right pronoun, he's now in prison. For months, Burke has been sitting in jail. To his supporters, he's a martyr. And to the legal and judicial system, his case is becoming a bit of a headache. There are concerns that under civil contempt you can go to prison and you don't have the normal protections that would apply if you were jailed in criminal proceedings. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Conor Pope. Today I talk to my colleagues Mary Carolyn and Jennifer O'Connell about the awkward case of Enoch Burke. Mary Carolyn is legal affairs correspondent with the Irish Times. Mary, I wonder if we could start with the imprisoning of Enoch Burke. Why exactly was he jailed over 100 days ago? Uh, He was jailed on September the 5th. It all goes back to he objected to an email sent by the school principal, which requested teachers to school to refer to a transitioning pupil uh, by their chosen new name and by the pronoun they. And yeah. uh, Mr. Burke had sent a number of emails to the principal, I understand, recording his objections to that directive. And there was a school, a public school event in June, and he approached the principal in the presence of other members of school staff and people attending the school event. It was a religious event to mark the centenary of the school's founder. And um, when he approached the principal, he sought to raise the issue of the email that had been sent to teachers. And she told him it wasn't the appropriate place or time. And uh, then essentially she compiled a report in relation to his behaviour at that event. And as a result of that, the school initiated a disciplinary process in August. And uh, Mr. Bur- it placed Mr. Burke on paid administrative leave in September and asked him not to attend at the school and when he continued to do so and he he would sit in the classroom and say he was there to teach and when he continued to do to do that the school applied to the high court for orders uh, restraining him doing so when he continued to attend in breach of those orders it brought application to commit him and that led to his committal on September the 5th and he has been in Medjoy prison since. Jennifer O'Connell has written about the Burke case for the Irish Times. Jennifer, Enoch Burke has repeatedly said that he's in jail because of his religious objections to transgenderism or because he, and this is a quote, would not call a boy a girl. But you take an issue with that characterisation. Why is that? 
Well, I do, because he's not in jail because of transgenderism. It's nothing to do with that. He's not in, in jail because of pronouns and he's not in jail because of his religious beliefs or his political beliefs. He's in jail because he refused to comply with the court order that he, that he should abide by the terms of his suspension and, and stay away from the school um, where he's been suspended. But because he won't do that, uh, he's in civil contempt. And that means that he's now been in, in Mount Joy for, I think it's 105 days today on the, on the day we're recording the, the podcast um, and he has on numerous occasions subsequently refused to purge that contempt. And even last Friday, he told the High Court he wasn't interested in what he called a Christmas gift of being let out of prison for the holidays, um, which could have happened while the school at the centre of, of the row is shut. So he's he's in he's in jail, really, I suppose, because of his own actions, because he refuses to abide by the terms of his suspension. And it really, despite his best efforts to make this a kind of a culture wars issue, it isn't about transgenderism and it isn't about pronouns. Um, and the only I, I suppose the only way in which you can say it is about transgenderism is that at the centre of it, there is this 15-year-old child who we've heard very little about, who has, has sort of mm-hmm. found themselves in the middle of this storm. And nobody seems to be, you know, terribly concerned for for, for the child's welfare. Um, but it, it, it's, it's about Enoch Burke is in jail because of his refusal to comply with the terms of his suspension. Enoch Burke has become something of a martyr in the culture wars. Where has the support been coming from? Yeah, it, 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 he's become, I suppose, the, the source of a really strange coalition of support. Um, and some of them, I think, probably make for quite uneasy bedfellows when they look at each other. So when he was originally jailed back in September, his case was taken up on social media by the Canadian psychologist Jordan Peterson, who's a man described by the New York Times as a custodian of the patriarchy. Mm. Um, he's also been the subject of, of supportive uh, tweets by um, Piers Morgan, tabloid editor and professional Megan Markin Bater. Um, and then there's a whole coalition of uh, so-called gender-critical feminist organisations like um, Women's Space Ireland and the organisation Genspect, which would say it's, it's not gender-critical, um, who are also uh, have been coming out in support of, of Enoch Burke. So it's kind of an odd situation where you have um, the custodian of the patriarchy and feminist organisations all sort of coalescing around this, this, this person that they see as being at the centre of a, a culture war. Jennifer, can you remind listeners who Enoch Burke is? So, Connor, Enoch Burke is a school teacher and he's the author of a self-published book called The Hedonism and Homosexuality of John Piper and Sam Albury, The Truth of Scripture. Now, I can't confess to having read it myself. I did read uh, some of the Amazon reviews of it and they were mixed, to say the least. Mm. Um, he's currently suspended from his teaching job at Wilson's Hospital School, which is a private Protestant co-educational school in County Westmeath. Um, and I suppose before this year, uh, he wouldn't have been the best known of the Burke siblings. And we might talk about some of his brothers and sisters in a moment but he previously um, ran for equality officer at NUI Galway in 2014 and in 2015 he called Liveline to argue that a Joe Caslin mural of, of two men kissing which um, this was about a month before the marriage equality referendum um, he argued that it should be painted over as it hadn't had planning permission. Okay. okay Enoch Bork is in Galway. Enoch good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. How are you? You're listening to the discussion. Your point, please. Martina's point. What do you think of Martina's point that it is it, it is illegal? I think this is a brilliant point um, that she's making. And it's very well made. She's not offending anybody. She's just really saying that we want justice on this issue. 
It's really quite incompatible with religious freedom. And I suppose as a teacher myself, uh, who likes to have an, an impact upon the students that I, that I work with, um, I'm very aware that um, with the definition of marriage that I'm going to be bringing, the definition of the family that I'm going to be bringing as, as ideal, I suppose, to my students, will be totally changed. And that's not really compatible with my religious freedom. By the way, Enoch, Enoch, you share the same surname with Martina. Are you related? Not that it makes any difference, but are you related? To no, me? I'm not from uh, Dublin. Um, no, no, are you related um, to Martina Bork? I haven't. I didn't hear the initial caller, so I'm not oh, sure. That's Martina. Um, Martina, are you related Martina to Enoch? Are you, are you Martina? I think the lady uh, there told her how to answer, actually. I, I just I just feel, Joan, I'm not by the way, it's, it's, involved in that. Okay, I came on, no, I just, came on. Just I'll be asked here, but I see. Anyway, it makes no difference, by the way. It makes I, don't, no I don't think it should make yeah, a difference. Okay. I think, I so don't you are, think so you are related. I, I just don't He's one of 10 adult children of a couple called Sean and Martina Burke and they range in age from around 19 or 20 now to about 34. They have um, a track record of exceptional um, educational achievement. Mm. Um, They've had an unconventional upbringing but I suppose the thing that they're... They were all homeschooled, isn't that right? They were all homeschooled by Martina herself um, in an, actually in a classroom that was built onto the house and people who've been there and who've seen it have described it to me as being like a small library. You know, it's extremely well stocked and Martina takes the education of her children and their religious formation um, and their protection, I think, from some of the stresses and anxiety uh, anxieties of the modern world. She takes that very seriously and she takes her role as a parent very seriously and has spoken about that in, in public. What are they best known for, Jennifer? Yeah, so I think the reason why listeners would be familiar with the Burke name is their pursuit of a number of really high profile legal actions. Um, and during these cases, they often represent themselves and Sometimes they their behaviour in court has attracted some headlines. They'll they'll frequently interrupt proceedings, um, and sometimes even make allegations about other members of the court. Um, and they're so well known, actually, for their use of co- the courts to settle disputes that there was a time, I think, early last year, when there was a nine million euro lotto jackpot won in Castle Bar, and the joke immediately went around locally that it must have been the Burks who won it, given the kind of likely costs involved in these cases. Talk to me a little bit about some of the other Burks who've made news headlines in recent years, because Enoch is very much not alone in uh, making the news. He surely isn't, no. And I mean, if we were to go through all of their legal cases, we might need an entire podcast dedicated to it. Um, But earlier this year, his mother Martina, who I mentioned earlier, um, and his sister Amy made headlines over some interjections that they made to the Workplace Relations Commission. Now, this was during an unfair dismissals claim against the law firm Arthur Cox that Amy was taking, and that was eventually thrown out. But I think the reason why it attracted uh, so much attention and and was the most read story on the Irish Times for days afterwards were the repeated interruptions by Martina that kind of prevented the hearing from going ahead. In one case, I think for more than five hours on a single day. Now, another sister, Jemima, uh, she came to prominence uh, the previous year when she heckled Dr. Tony Holohan at an effort briefing. That was in actually in May 2020, um, when she claimed that she was representing the Western News. But that's a publication that doesn't even exist. Mm. Um, And I think other journalists who had been at all the briefings were surprised and had no idea who she was and hadn't seen her there um, earlier. 
Uh, and she later became very invested in, in the tragic death of a teenager, a 17 year old teenager called Sally Maz, who died at Mayo University Hospital in April 2020. Uh, she would have later attended. She wrote about Sally Maz in her capacity as, as a journalist. And she later um, attended some of the, the inquests surrounding her death. And at, at one point, she and other members of the Burke family had to be removed from the inquest after repeatedly interrupting those proceedings. Wow. Uh, so that's two of them. Then there's another brother, Elijah. Elijah won a landmark Supreme Court judgment, which found that he and other homeschool students had been unlawfully excluded from the, the um, predicted grades, the 2020 Leaving Search Calculated Grades scheme, since that they, they were homeschooled. So there wasn't a teacher there who was able mm. to objectively, I suppose, was the argument, assess their performance. And then uh, four of the siblings, so this uh, this was Amy and Enoch, who we've been speaking about, but also um, a brother Isaac and a sister Kezia, uh, they lost a case in Galway Circuit Court over a row about um, a decision to, to ban them from life for, from societies at NUI Galway. Isaac, Enoch, Kezia and Amy Burke were all sanctioned after an investigation into material distributed by NUI Galway's Christian Union Society, an entity described in court as being for all intents and purposes the fiefdom of the siblings. Another brother, Simeon, I think Simeon might be the youngest, um, he ran as student union president in NUI Galway in 2021 under the slogan, a president for the many, not the mob. And he ran on, I suppose, what you might call a kind of an anti-woke or an anti-social justice platform. Um, But that contest became very acrimonious and and quite personalised. And he claimed afterwards that he had been the victim of of a prolonged online bullying campaign. And actually, some people who I spoke to when I wrote about this previously said that although they didn't like Simeon's politics and they didn't like what he stood for, they felt actually ultimately really sorry for him. They said that he was a product of his environment and he seemed like quite a nice person and quite a gentle person on a one-on-one basis. Um, But like all of the Burks, you know, he's very, uh, he, he feels very strongly about the things that he believes in and he pursues his principles really strongly. And some people might feel, I suppose, quite aggressively and that doesn't endear them to everybody that they come across. Now, that's not true of all of them. Um, there are a couple of other sisters who have been a little bit quieter than, than, than Amy and some of the boys. A sister Kezia has won academic awards for, um, an essay in mathematics and physics. There's also a sister Esther who I've been in touch with, um, via email on occasion, who's a school teacher who's very well regarded by her students. And there's a sister, Karen, who has been very quiet. And I I don't know much about her, except she may be a student in GMIT. That's the Burke family history. And there's nothing in it that suggests this situation is going to be resolved easily. But surely Enoch Burke can't be imprisoned forever. Coming up, I talk to Mary Carolyn about the law around contempt and what might happen next in this case. Enoch Burke was jailed for contempt of court. But there's more than one variety of contempt of court, which is relevant to how this case could come to an end, as Mary Carolyn explains. So how does civil contempt of court differ from criminal contempt of court? Or indeed, is there any difference? Essentially, criminal contempt is punitive. It's Mm. intended to punish someone for interfering with court proceedings or a judicial decision, say, standing up and course, shouting at the judge, that, that kind of thing. Civil contempt is where somebody breaches an order made in civil proceedings. And that's what Enoch Burke did. The proceedings involving the school and himself were civil proceedings, they're not criminal proceedings. 
civil contempt is meant it's coercive it's meant to kind of effectively persuade people to comply with court orders and really imprisonment is seen as a sanction of last resort in relation to civil contempt the the courts often just give people a dressing down and they agree to abide with whatever court order they disobeyed in some rare cases people refuse to abide and they go to prison and that's of indefinite duration. And that is one of the problems of civil contempt and one of the problems with the fact that there's no statute governing this. So there's no statute and you, you had a phrase there, indefinite duration. Does that mean effectively that a person, not Enoch Burke, but any person could be jailed forever if they were held to be in contempt of court on a civil basis? Uh, Indefinite duration means nobody really knows how long it's going to be. You couldn't be jailed forever. I suspect there'd be lots of Article 40 applications and everything else. It, it just wouldn't happen in, in real life. But uh, it, it can go on for long periods. And it, I mean, Enoch Burke, as we all know, it's over 100 days. I mean, a lot of people argue it's up to the person jailed. They can they can say they want to come to court any time and purge their contempt and they'll be immediately released. But there are concerns that under civil contempt, you can go to prison and you don't have the normal protections that would apply if you are jailed in criminal proceedings. What would it take for Enoch Burke to walk free right now? Okay, well, the uh, Judge Conor Dignam uh, listed the case before him uh, last week and the reason he did that was because the school will be on holidays this week. The court seems to be seeing this as an opportunity where Mr. Burke could be released over Christmas. And perhaps the court is thinking he might have time to reflect then and might kind of decide to purge his contempt or there might be a way around it. It's not totally dependent on him or the school. The, the court always has discretion to police its orders in the manner it thinks fit. So even if Enoch Burke maintains his position that I want to be released on my own terms and I want to be released on the basis of the court saying I should never have been imprisoned, the, the court can ignore all that. It could release him with an order that if he doesn't undertake by, say, the day before the school is due to go back to not attend at the school, then he will be automatically rearrested and brought back to prison. In terms of Mr. Burke's own position, he has repeatedly said he, he, can, he can't and won't uh, purge his contempt because that would be contrary to his religious beliefs. So, And when the case was last before the court, uh, he reiterated that position. And unless there's some enormous sea change in the last few days, uh, that's, it seems he will maintain his position. Um, so really, that leaves the ball in the court, in the court's hands. And what's his demeanour been like in court and what indeed has the atmosphere been like in court? Well, Mr. Burke, uh, he is always very clear um, why what he believes are the reasons why he is in prison. He regularly repeats that uh, he is there because of breach of his religious or his, his constitutional right to religious belief that he shouldn't be in prison. He says he wants to be out. He wants to be teaching his students uh, 
and um, he has accused the court sometimes quite forcefully of breach of his rights and sometimes there have been angry scenes and upset scenes involving both himself and members of his family and at a, one of the court of appeal hearings uh, his mother was uh, escorted from the court after she um, berated the judge for not giving an earlier appeal hearing um, and Enoch Burke himself was also removed a couple of times until uh, the court felt that order had been restored. In a piece in the Irish Times on Saturday, Jennifer, you made it clear that you find it hard to muster any sympathy for someone who's not a victim of anything other than their own warped belief system. And that's your quote. But you also added that while it is possible to find Enoch Burke's views utterly abhorrent, there's also an unease at his ongoing imprisonment. Where's that sense of unease actually come from, do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, if, if you told me um, a few months ago that of all the things I'd end up writing in 2022, one of them would be something sort of suggesting that we should let Enoch Burke out of jail at this point, I'd have been very surprised. I mean, as I said in my piece, um, you know, it's not it, it's it's not a comfortable position for me to be in to find myself kind of defending Enoch Burke's right to freedom. But the reality is that I am uneasy, at, and I think we should all be a bit uneasy at the notion that any individual in the state can be indefinitely incarcerated over a matter of civil contempt. And it, it gets back to a flaw, I think, um, or what some legal experts would regard as flaws in our or maybe not even flaws, but anomalies or inconsistencies in our contempt system. So if if you were found guilty of criminal contempt in the sense that you had, say, you tried to derail a court case or you'd made false allegations against a judge or you had knowingly prejudiced a, a trial, you would be dealt with by a fine or by a finite term in prison. So you might be sent to Mountjoy for a month or for three months. But because civil contempt is designed to be coercive rather than punitive, so it's designed to force you to do something that you otherwise wouldn't do, it's not designed to punish you. But that means that the term of imprisonment is indefinite. And the idea is that it's supposed to be coercive. But the problem is that if the person who is supposed to be coerced just refuses to allow that to happen, then you end up in this ridiculous impasse where somebody is in jail indefinitely. They won't purge their contempt because they, they can't. They believe they can't do so. Um, and the judge sees no option but to send them back to Mount Joy. Then how does this end? You know, it can go on forever. And I suppose in Enoch Burke's case... It's really clear, I think, now that either because of his maybe his religious zeal or his own obsession with with issues around transgenderism or his personal principles or maybe because of his imagined grievances against the legal system or, you know, maybe his upbringing or some combination of all these factors. But he clearly does not see purging his contempt as a route open to him. I mean, he looks like and sounds like he's in agony and he does not want to be in jail anymore and he is not enjoying this experience. He doesn't really seem to be enjoying the platform that he he has created around himself. But I think he really doesn't believe that he has any choice in the matter but to mm. go back to jail. He will not and cannot, he says, purge his contempt. So what happens next? What's your primary concern here? Is it a civil liberties issue that we're discussing? Yeah, I think I am concerned about it from a civil liberties point of view. And I mean, you know, it's it's not so much that my heart is 
breaking it too with sympathy for Enoch Burke because as I said you know I, I don't like a lot of a lot of what he stands for and I wouldn't share his views on a lot of issues but I think you or I or any of us should be a little bit uneasy at the idea that one of us could be held for an indefinite term um, in Mount Joy over an issue of civil contempt so you know for example if you or I um, were requested by a judge to hand over a notebook which contained the names of some confidential sources on a story and we decided not to do that and we were found to be in contempt. I wouldn't like the idea that we could be held in contempt for an indefinite term until we agree to purge our contempt, which as journalists we wouldn't be able to do because we are ethically bound to protect our sources. So you, w- you would like to see that we could come up with some kind of creative solution whereby a fine is imposed or even a definite term of imprisonment, but something that has that has an end in sight. That's it for today. Thanks to Jennifer O'Connell and Mary Carolyn. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon. We'll be back soon.